Welcome to the Inside Lightspeed podcast. Powering the world's best businesses, Lightspeed is the unified POS and payments platform for ambitious entrepreneurs to accelerate growth, provide the best customer experiences, and become a go-to destination in their space. This podcast may include forward-looking statements that are based on assumptions and therefore subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. We undertake no obligation to update these statements except as required by law. You can read about these risks and uncertainties in our filings with U.S. and Canadian securities regulators. I'm Gus Papagiorgio, Lightspeed's Head of Investor Relations. Okay, welcome everybody to the latest episode of Inside Lightspeed. Joining me today is Peter Doherty, the General Manager for our hospitality business. Pete and I are going to go over a number of topics today, including our new Lightspeed restaurant offering, our key customer profile, Lightspeed in the European market, taking on the U.S. market, one Lightspeed and its impact on the hospitality business, and then unified payments as we roll that out across the hospitality division. Pete, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Gus. Thanks for having me here. Excited to chat about Lightspeed Restaurant. Excellent. For those uh, investors that haven't had the chance to meet you, maybe tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what you're doing here at Lightspeed. Absolutely. So uh, I've been with Lightspeed for quite a while, uh, 11 years. My background is sales, always focused on the go-to-market side of our business, starting as a salesperson way back when, but you know, make, helping us make our transition to cloud, to SaaS 11 years ago, when back when we were still a, an on-premise business. And then from there, launching our account management partnerships, and now bringing our new restaurant product around the world. So excited to be with you again today to talk about all that. Great. So you've been with the company, uh, so straight out of university, you've been here for 11 years now, so you're here when the company went public. That's right. We've gone through major acquisitions, and uh, the last year kind of consolidated those acquisitions and really launched a global platform in, in hospitality and also with payments. That's right. I've seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the first topics I want to get into is the new Lightspeed restaurant, which internally we called K-Series. If you look at the new offering versus what we had in the past, what are the features that most excite you as the general manager for hospitality? What is it that you're seeing that customers are really kind of attracted to in the offering? So I think if we back up and we really think about what's important to restaurants when they're running their business, forget Lightspeed for a second. You know, the first thing is they are there to serve their guests. This is a service industry. They're there to create experiences for their guests. And so they need to make sure that whenever a diner comes in to have an experience, that their platform is up and running, they're there to serve that guest and make sure they have a great time. And the thing is, is in the restaurant industry, most of that happens on Friday and Saturday night. That's when most diners go out. And so having a platform that is up and transacting, especially on Friday and Saturday night, is the number one priority. And I know it's not necessarily the number one thing that we get asked about, but ultimately when it boils down to it, you need to be up and running. And so Lightspeed has focused a tremendous amount of effort in that stability, right down to, if we get into the mechanics of it, a private blockchain and every Lightspeed restaurant account to underpin the transactions, which make it super secure, super reliable, and very importantly, very fast. I think the second thing is restaurateurs, they just want to know what to do next. How do I grow my business? How do I face all these challenges in front of me right now? And the promise of Lightspeed restaurant, especially the the K-series version, is all of the tools there to help you do that. We know our new insights module helps restaurants grow and outpace their peers. And so really answering that question of what do I do next to grow my business is something we're super proud to be able to help with. The issue of stability is a key one because we're so reliant on these cloud offerings, but if your Wi-Fi goes down, then, then that's a pretty big problem, which you know in a lot of urban centers, that happens more often than you'd expect. 
Yeah, it happens a lot more than you'd expect. And I just mentioned Friday and Saturday nights and when restaurants are busy, but realistically 50% or more of their revenue, depending on the restaurant, is happening on that Friday and Saturday night. So if your Wi-Fi is down or your internet's down, you have to have a platform that's up and running. And so the way we've built the case series is to really just make sure you're always up and running in the restaurant. So you can always take orders, send to the kitchen, manage checks, split checks, send drinks to the bar. You're just always there, always running so that any guest who walks through your door, you can serve. So Peter, on that, I mean, one thing we get asked a lot is, you know, you go into a restaurant and you'll see one of our competitors, right? You know, they say, oh, well, you know, Lightspeed lost out to this competitor. I think one of the things that uh, we try to do is differentiate ourselves from what are effectively, you know, electronic cash registers, right? So when you look at the Lightspeed offering against some of our, let's say, less sophisticated competitors, I mean, what does it bring to the table that allows, you know, sophisticated, high-volume restaurants to operate that maybe a simpler offering wouldn't really work for them? I think it's actually a, a really interesting point, Gus. We get asked that a lot, actually. And you know, if you imagine walking into a 100-square-foot coffee shop right off the street, it could be a great coffee shop. And you know, I go to many of them. But the reality is, is that business is doing 150000 200000 a year in sales, it's not a meaningful business case for that restaurateur to decide, okay, I'm going to make the jump to light speed. But if you're running a million dollar a year, hundred seat restaurant, well, all of a sudden it starts making sense to make the investment in light speed, to spend the time to understand what our insights module is telling you. When you have 20 staff on the floor serving guests and all of a sudden the POS is 40% faster for those front of house staff to do the check management workflows, all of a sudden that business case for light speed makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, if you walk off the street and see that stand, you know, a prominent competitor in the US in a coffee shop and say, hey, well, why didn't Lightspeed get that customer? Well, realistically, the value of Lightspeed doesn't necessarily make sense for that customer. And we're okay with that. You know, we're here to drive profitable growth and drive value for our restaurants. And so we are very focused on the right type of customer where Lightspeed drives real value for those restaurants. And we're seeing it. The data is telling us that Lightspeed is succeeding. And that's kind of our you know, if you look at our key customer profile, I mean, what we're looking for is complexity. So restaurants that have, you know, an oyster bar, a cocktail bar, you know, indoor and outdoor dining, and then high volume, obviously, that's kind of where we're really focused, right? Absolutely. Internally, we kind of have different ways of thinking about how a restaurant operates. Is it the staff member goes to the guest? Is it the guest goes to the staff member? Is it a hotel restaurant? You know, it kind of fits into four key buckets. And when you think about complexity, the staff member going to the guest is where you tend to see the most complexity because there's a lot of operations. You have staff working tables on the floor. There might be a bar. There might be a patio. There might be, you know, two kitchens, a hot kitchen, cold kitchen. Uh, they might have some offsite prep, et cetera. So all of that complexity is where light speed really shines. Versus again, using that same example, 100 square foot coffee shop might be great, but Lightspeed isn't necessarily going to add a ton of value there that makes sense for the restaurant owner to make the investment in money and time for Lightspeed. Usually Lightspeed is an upgrade. I start my business, I get going, I get my bearings, I understand the basics of my business. But when I really ask the question of how do I grow my business, that's when they usually make the jump to Lightspeed. You can see that in some of the features that we've launched. I mean, recently we launched Tap to Pay on iPhones. I mean, this to me is pretty groundbreaking for us. I mean, as a server, you no longer need a separate payments terminal. You can just check out customers on your iPhone, which I think for higher volume, more sophisticated restaurant, that means like servers can probably handle more tables and turn those tables a lot faster. You know, again, using that scale and complexity example, if I have 20 servers on the floor and each one of them is saving two minutes per check when they're checking out a guest or taking a payment from a guest because they don't need to go get a separate payment terminal or they can do the check split right on their iPhone, right beside the guest. Well, all of a sudden that starts to add up in server time. And there's an expression in the restaurant industry when the staff member or server is really busy, they're a little bit behind, it's called being in the weeds. 
when a staff member's in the weeds, that two minutes per table really matters. And, you know, that could be the difference between the staff member catching that guest who wanted to order the extra beer or not. And all of a sudden that starts to impact not only in the cogs for the restaurant, but it also could start meaning higher revenue. And we do see that, you know, when we introduce technologies like tap to pay on the iPhone or even scan and pay, which is the QR codes on the table, we start to see actually average ticket sizes go up because it's usually driven by additional alcohol sales, which for a restaurant is the highest margin item they have on their menu. So it just, it just cascades through the whole chain. But also in customer satisfaction. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating to me than when you're in a restaurant, you're you're finished your meal, you want to pay, and you're basically begging the server to settle the check. I mean, that is just a horrible That's experience. the worst experience. But you know, we also know with our new insights module where we're fusing POS data with the payments data, because we we obviously drive both now, we can start to tell you what are the menu items that actually drive loyalty? What are the dishes that actually guests say, this is amazing, I'm coming back to this restaurant? So we can actually start to quantify that in our new insights module to help our restaurant succeed. And ultimately, when you go out to eat at a restaurant, the experience, the whole experience, not just the food, not just the way the staff interacts with you, the whole experience really adds up to, is this a repeat guest or not? Well, absolutely. I mean, driving repeat business for restaurants is, uh, is key to profitability, I think, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, um, I just want to talk now about our. <laughs> I know that you know we have this kind of issue where is our investors are very North America centric, but especially our hospitality business is very international and and particularly with hospitality very kind of European focused. And I just want to kind of touch on this topic because I think it's really under <laughs> not appreciated at all how strong our European hospitality business is. And so first off, if we look at our kind of customer profile. If you look at the size of the European market and you would compare it to the US, I mean, pretty comparable markets. Absolutely. And so, you know, the markets we care about, just to put the, the exact countries out there, are Germany, UK, France, Belgium, Netherlands. And we have presence in others, but those are the ones that we really care Switzerland about. Switzerland too, no? And Switzerland too, excuse me, yes. And when you combine the number of restaurants in those markets that we care about, you know, of the volume that we care about, of the complexity that we care about, that our product is a good fit for, we're really talking about markets that are very similarly sized to the US. And what's really interesting about that market, and frankly, what I love about that market, is we only see smaller subscale vendors in each country. So we might see a competitor in Germany, we might see a competitor in France, and it's a really unique position to be in where we have this, using a bit of a made-up word, global approach, where we have this global platform of being a publicly listed company with all the resources associated with that. But then with local go-to-market teams and product market fit designed for these individual countries, really creates this amazing position for us in these Western European countries that have, frankly, amazing dining cultures as well. You know, we see table service restaurants being a much more core piece of the culture than in the U.S., to be frank. And I think that advantage of where we are facing, you know, in each country, we're facing competitors that are subscale. I mean, I think this is only going to play more and more to our advantage. I mean, we're now at a size where we have scale, we can invest in R&D, we can invest in feature sets. So our solution is only going to get better and better, especially now that we move to one light speed and we're kind of focused on one product going to market. And I got to think that these subscale competitors that they just don't have the R&D resources to keep evolving their solution at the same pace that we're doing. And, you know, I, I want to give a very tangible example of that, because sometimes it's a bit hard to understand, like, what does that mean? Okay, great. They have the scale from an R&D spend perspective, but there's very tangible things we could talk about. So 
you know, obviously, you know, everybody in the last couple of years rolled out the ability to do what we call scan and pay. It's the QR codes on the table to be able to order. And we've done some really nice stuff where we tokenize the card, et cetera, to create a great experience. But, you know, that's a piece of technology or it's a PNT product and technology investment we made that is applicable across markets. So I only need to build that once for Lightspeed Restaurant and I can use it in Europe and Australia and North America. And so that's where I kind of get my global scale advantage. But then, for example, in Belgium, where there's a hyper-specific payment type called Payconic, or there's the meal voucher program that employers give out that's only applicable to Belgium, you know, I get the benefit of both, where I'm getting this global platform from a functionality I get to build that applies to my entire customer base, my entire TAM. And then I also have local investments just for those countries. Versus if I'm a vendor, say, just in France, well, I have to make those investments and my TAM is smaller than Lightspeed's. Versus that investment in the QR code scanning on the table, I can apply to every country I serve. So that's where I get to take advantage of this global positioning with the local go-to-market power as well. It's a really unique position to be in, especially in Western Europe, especially with the complexity of doing business in Europe with GDPR, fiscalization laws, where you actually have to report your sales to the, the tax agency in real time through the technology. All of those are major barriers to entry into those markets, which we've already, we've already done. So I think p- people need to understand this as well, is that unlike Canada or the US, in Europe, the fiscalization rules are are much more stringent. So basically, your point of sale has to integrate directly into whatever the equivalent of Revenue Canada is, correct? And that is no small feat. And it's different country by country. Yeah. You know, I'll use France as an example. They have the certification called NF525. And not only do you have to follow a set of requirements about the software, you know, for lack of a more detailed term, uploads the daily sales to the government tax service at the end of every day. There's also restrictions on recording changes in the POS every time the cash drawer is open, et cetera, et cetera. It's, you know, it's, it's designed to prevent tax evasion. And so when we do that work to certify to NF525, it's not a small investment, but then that's France. And then Germany has its own version. And then Belgium has its own version. And Italy has its own version. And the UK has its own version. And so every country has its own way of approaching this problem. And what we've done with K-Series is at its core, built it in a way that it is easy to fiscalize. And so we've thought about fiscalization from the get-go. And, and fiscalization is a trend that's actually increasing, not decreasing. We're seeing more countries roll out fiscalization. Actually, we just heard Spain is planning to announce fiscalization in 2024. We've actually heard from the state of Arizona starting to consider it, et cetera. So it's a growing trend. And so we've made the investment to be fiscalized and build a platform that's fiscalized. But to make that shift is a massive investment. To make the change from a a platform that is not designed to be fiscalized, to not be GDPR compliant, which is another topic related to Europe as well, is a, a major choice. And so that position is a highly defensible position for us in Europe. It's a great one to be in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great for us. I mean, obviously, if we saw a North American-based competitor trying to come into Europe, they would have to undergo the same process. And I mean, this is, again, not trivial. We're talking about probably years before you can kind of get a product ready to, to launch in that region. Exactly, because it's it's not just fiscalization. Fiscalization is one point, which is a big point, but there's also GDPR, the right for a consumer to be forgotten. Well, in today's world, and you know, as a technology provider, very familiar with it, we are looking at tons of consumer data. That's how we're providing the insights module. We're bringing a lot of that information together, the card numbers that are tokenized, et cetera. But in Europe, a consumer has the right to email the restaurant and say, please delete all of my data. And you have to scrub every square inch of that consumer's data from your platform. And so being able to build that into your software takes a lot of work, takes a lot of rigor to make sure you're doing it right. So it's a real commitment to decide you're going into continental Europe. 
Yeah. Um, okay. The other thing about Europe is so we launched our Unified Payments Initiative, and I think investors are aware of our initiative. Basically, all new customers are going to be required to take uh, Lightspeed payments, and our base will be required to also adopt uh, payments. So as we go into Europe now, we haven't started converting the base yet in Europe, but talk about your strategy of how we're going to roll out unified payments within hospitality in the European market. And I, and I, I mean, I, hospitality is very important for us in the European market because most of our business in Europe is hospitality. That's right. So we've launched our unified payments project in North America for both our retail and hospitality businesses. And now talking about Europe, there's kind of two parts to it. There's new customers coming to Lightspeed and then there's the back book. And so we've started already actually for the new customers coming to Lightspeed side of things where our salespeople are just focused on the benefits of having Lightspeed payments. This is our typical sales pitch we've been refining over the last couple of years since we launched Lightspeed payments. And now with the new Lightspeed restaurant platform with Insights, our salespeople are actually not focused on rates or things like that because to get the power of Lightspeed Insights, you have to have Lightspeed payments because we're fusing POS and payments data. So not only is there tremendous product value, it also drives our payments attach rate. So there we're saying, okay, in Europe, for new customers coming in the door to Lightspeed, you have to take Lightspeed payments. And again, for our customers, I mean, this Insights module is so powerful, right? I mean, it basically breaks down your menu items to tell you what dishes are driving repeat business and which ones are not. And you know, for a restaurateur, I mean, that's ideal because you know, if a dish is not driving repeat business, you just get it off your menu. And you also guide your servers to make sure you push uh, people to the dishes that have proven to bring people back, right? You know, there's also the other side where we also have this concept of hidden gems within the Insight module, where you have these dishes that sell, call it okay, but they drive a tremendous amount of guest retention that you should be training your staff to be selling more. It's a really powerful tool. It also dives into server performance and helps you coach your staff on how to talk to your guests. And of course, the way you track the repeat customers by tokenizing the credit card. Tokenizing the credit card. And for that, you need Lightspeed payments. So when we lay out and we demo the Insights module, the discussion isn't about rates. Because as we all know, we want to make sure we're making our margin on payments. And realistically, with payments, it's all about that very thin margin, but just doing a ton of volume. And so... It's not about rates when we show insights. It's about the value. You know, we're talking about a data module. We're using data to understand, is it actually helping our customers? It is. It's amazing. And when we zoom in on restaurants, you know, tons and tons of restaurants around the world, we can bring all of those insights together to help these restaurants succeed. It's a great position to be in. Yeah. And I, again, I mean, as far as unified payments goes, for our customers, that insights module, I think, is just pays for itself over and over again. So, you know, overall, I think our European hospitality business is in great shape and <laughs> probably underappreciated by our uh, North American-centric investor base. But uh, as far as you're concerned, it's probably, it's probably the thing you worry about the least. It is, it is a great business. The food culture in Europe is tremendous. And you know, it's not just because I love food and booze. It's because you get tons of restaurants that are all processing a ton of volume. And they're everywhere. And we have a sales team that can go out and say, hey, I'm Peter from Lightspeed, and everybody knows who we are. And that's what drives the CAC down. And then all of a sudden, churn goes down because of insights we're making our restaurants more successful, so the LTV goes up. It's this virtuous circle that is just feeding itself in Europe for us. So it's, it's a wonderful business. That CAC comment should not be uh, understated. I mean, you know, when... Every restaurant, every high-end restaurant is using Lightspeed. You know, if you're going to think about a new POS, you're going to talk to the restaurant down the street, see what they're using, and that just 
requires us to spend less on advertising, which again drives the CAC down, right? Absolutely. So great Absolutely. situation to be in. Okay, switching topics now to the U.S. market coming across the pond. You know, in the U.S., tougher market for us. But I think the one thing investors need to understand is we really have only started going into the U.S. in a serious way after we bought Upserve, right? That's right. You know, we started in the U.S. almost seven years ago, but not at any scale. And I'd call it an experiment. We started to launch the product in the market, understanding what we were doing right, what we needed to learn more from, because at the time we were a retail-only company. And we learned a lot, and then we acquired Upserve, because we knew, hey, there's this insights module, there's this US presence, there's you know high GTV customers, et cetera. And then through COVID, obviously, we integrated all these acquisitions, brought these products together, et cetera. So everybody knows the end of that story. We've launched Lightspeed Restaurant in the US just over a year ago. But there was a lot of learnings that happened through COVID, not only about how to integrate all these businesses, but also about what is the right way to go to market in the US. And so we've, we've made the very explicit decision to say, hey, we have a great product with all the benefits that we've talked about in Europe, but now also tailored to the US market. And we've made a ton of investment there. We also have, call it local industry knowledge from the Upserve team, which are now part of Lightspeed. You know, the Upserve organization, call it, doesn't exist anymore. It's it's Lightspeed, which is, you know, not necessarily for the investor audience, but even internally, that was a big job, a really big job. And you know, now we have these inside sales teams, we have feet on the street, we have the local knowledge, we have the right product market fit to really go after the US. But I think in the context of a high CAC environment in the US, because there is strong competition, we are being very selective about the type of restaurant we want to onboard and go after to absolutely maximize the value that those restaurants will get out of Lightspeed. So, and, and in this market, uh, because the, the competition is uh, more intense, we are seeing pressure, upward pressure on CAC. We have also started to uh, undertake a kind of outbound feed on the street approach to go to market, which is something relatively new for us. Want to talk about how successful that has been and what the strategy has been for rolling that out? Because outside outside of the US, I, I think in Canada, really all our go to market engine is it's all inbound, right? It's inbound, but you know, we're starting to grow outbound and field in other markets, but with less call it urgency just because the unit economics that we have in those markets are already great. Versus the US and then a high CAC environment. You know, as we said, okay, great, K-Series is done, launch it, let's go to market. We need to start investigating other paths to market as well to just really focus on getting the CAC to LTV right for that market. And even it's different in Canada versus the US because it's a different competitive environment. And so we've been experimenting with outbound and field. And now the ones that have worked out, we're starting to scale and field and outbound are working great. It's really a human powered motion. And so I can't just go and go from a team of five when I was doing my experiment to a team of 5,000. You know, I can do that with my inbound team, but I can't do that with my field and outbound teams because it's humans training humans. And, you know, as with any people focused task in the company, you hire a cohort of new people. And, you know, even using this study from Xerox back in the day, we know that it takes about 18 months to get a, a salesperson to total A plus caliber. After about six months, they're at A caliber, but to really get them humming, it takes a year, really. And... We just launched K-Series in the US a year and a half ago-ish. So it kind of gives you a, a view on where we're at in that cycle. And we're scaling the team. We're hiring field and outbound reps across the country. And it's going great, but it's not going to happen overnight with that people-focused motion. Well, a couple of things here. Let's say our kind of go-to-market motion is 10% for the coal company is 10% uh, feet on the street and 90% inbound. In US hospitality, you're much more reliant on feet on the street. 
That's right. And, you know, just to share, because we're very focused on very strong unit economics in the U.S., we're really investing heavily in field and outbound in the U.S. because it's, that is the part that's working the best. And when your people are out there, if you put our product head to head with some of the competition, how do you feel about how competitive we are? If I walk into a great restaurant in Manhattan, Chicago, LA, San Francisco, Dallas, you know, I'm talking about all the best hospitality markets in the US. I am extremely confident in that salesperson's ability to close that customer. We know our ICP, we know what type of customers our product works the best and drives the most value. And we've tried all sorts of different pitches. What's the right value prop? But all this bleeding edge tech that we're, we've now baked into K-series, the new handhelds on the iPhone with tap to pay, you know, our new functionality with insights, our embedded payments, our scan to pay, the blazing fast speed where we know it's 40% faster than our other leading competitors in the U.S. to do front of house check management workflows and on and on and on. We are in a position of strength in the U.S. and I'm excited to build on it. I think it's fair to characterize that if we look at our hospitality business, Europe is probably a cash cow, but even that has growth potential because there's new markets we can open up and payments penetration in Europe um, is probably lower than, than we see in North America. So there's lots of growth there, but the U.S. hospitality business for us really is kind of a growth uh, story for us. I mean, that is a market where we have lots of room to kind of take some share. Okay, now I want to switch over the topic to uh, one light speed. And I think, you know, people looking in from the outside see our logo, our brand, our website, didn't quite realize how much work it took to kind of integrate all these acquisitions into two core platforms and one company. So if you look at your business, as we've gone down, down to one light speed, one product in market, how has it changed how you operate? This is, this is always a good topic for us at Lightspeed. I think you put it very nicely, Gus, actually. You know, on the outside, it's just one Lightspeed logo. But inside, it was a ton of work to make that happen. Specifically in my line of business, in the restaurant business, we were five companies 24 months ago. Five POS companies. Lightspeed had its own restaurant POS. We had Upserve in the US. We had Gastrofix in Germany. We had Count in Australia. We had Ikentu in Switzerland. That's five CRMs. That's five websites. That's five marketing engines. That's five support teams. That's five product and technology groups with their own tooling, their own monitoring. Some are on Google Cloud, some are on AWS, their own NetSuite instances, and on and on and on. And so just the overhead that that creates within the organization purely from an operational perspective, simple one. You know, every every Monday we do our exec meeting, review the numbers, how is go to market, how's product, et cetera. Well, the person reporting on the marketing numbers, for Upserve, they had to pull that information from Pardot. For Lightspeed, they had to pull that information from Marketo. Even though those are both performance marketing tools, both integrated to Salesforce, but it's two separate instances of the same tool. And so that just creates overhead everywhere, even right down to the IT software, the phone systems, and on and on and on. I don't, I'm not going to belabor the point, but it was definitely a, a big job <laughs> to undo all that. It's easy to talk about now because we're on the other side. And actually, frankly, personally, I'm, I'm quite proud of what we did there because that was a tough nut to crack. And we did it. And you know, when we fast forward 24 months... We're operating in all these countries with one flagship product, one support team, one leadership structure, one exec team, one website, <laughs> and I can keep, I can go down the list. But you know, you get you take the point there. So now we're down to one core platform, and I think two things should come out of that. Right? One is we should probably see increased productivity for salespeople. Going back to your comment that it takes a salesperson about eighteen months to uh, to get really productive, and two, the pace of innovation should 
kind of accelerate because we're no longer spending all these R&D resources, you know, maintaining five products. We've, we're just under one platform. So I just want to hit on those two topics in, in terms of, you know, sales productivity. I think you, you can expect improvement of productivity from all functions in the organization. You know, just using that marketing example I gave before, well, that performance marketing manager had to log into Marketo, get the data, spend, you know, an hour, two, three, analyzing that, and then do that all over again in Pardot for the other CRM. Well, all of a sudden, when that goes away, all of a sudden, that person has double the amount of time to focus on optimizing our ad buying campaigns just in one tool. So there's improvement across the board. Same for product technology, you know, talking about that velocity. I don't need to maintain five roadmaps. I need to maintain one, even for my own time all of a sudden I can start focusing just on where do we drive value in the flagship, right all the way up to JP, the CEO. It's just across the org. But I'm also talking about, but also it's, I mean, look, if you only have one product, you know, the longer you're selling it, the better you get at selling that product. Absolutely. Right? You know, using that example, we were talking before about the field teams and it takes a year, call it to get a salesperson up and being super productive. Well, you know, let's talk about our field rep in Brooklyn. That guy's been in seat now for 18 months. He's selling. He knows the product. He knows how to talk about it. He's probably heard from thousands of customers saying, hey, can you do this? And he knows exactly how to answer the questions from customers to make sure he's closing that deal. He knows exactly how to navigate and what partners we have for functionality that we don't have. And that's okay because we'll never have 100% coverage on every feature. But he knows how to nail that pitch and close that customer every time. You know, we're seeing it from the field teams. We have one product we sell in the US and Canada, in Europe. And so that just propagates across the org. But I think On the product side, from a velocity perspective, now that the teams are primarily focused on K-series, we're seeing the velocity of new functionality coming out just accelerating that much more. But more to to come, right? And lots more to come. And I'm excited to do this podcast again in 12 months to talk about what we've done in the last year. Just seeing what's coming and the simplification of the organization just drives velocity everywhere. Go to market, support, onboarding. And not only does it drive velocity from a business perspective, our customer satisfaction goes up because, again, the person they're talking to in onboarding or support just focuses on one product so they know how to handle those problems. Right. So as we get longer in the tooth in terms of our one platform, we should see costs continue to come out of uh, our operating expenses. Okay. Kind of last comments here. I mean, look, if I look at our hospitality business, I mean, we've always been very strong in Europe and we continue to be, and that is a great market for us, low CAC, high LTV, and you know, the fiscalization alone just acts as a kind of a natural barrier to entry for any anyone else trying to come into that market and still a lot of space to increase payments. And in the US, obviously more competition, but great product, gaining momentum, simplified organization, strong product. I mean, if you look out over the next couple of years, what what excites you most about our business? I think what we're seeing in the restaurant industry right now is the adoption and entry of new technologies into the restaurant experience. But I think as a technologist, the key to what we do every day is making sure we're bringing technology into the business that helps the restaurant succeed. Insights is a perfect example of that. Lightspeed payments with the connection of POS data and payments data into Insights is a perfect example of that. But also just the way you pay, the payments experience. All this technology now coming into the restaurant industry, which I think, frankly, is a few years behind the retail industry. We're starting to see that now happen in the restaurant industry. Is exciting, but I think the challenge that I'm excited for and where I think we have some of the best people on the planet to be able to solve for is creating technology that helps these restaurants succeed and bringing technology into the restaurants, but that doesn't get in the way of that guest experience. 
That's really the most exciting part of what's in front of us. And really what we're describing there is innovation. And if Lightspeed is at the center and front of innovation in the restaurant industry, I mean, that's going to help our business succeed because then we're driving the most value for restauranters. They're going to sign up with Lightspeed and refer their friends. I mean, I'm oversimplifying it, but ultimately that's what it boils down to. Sounds like we're in a good position to make that happen. So we are doing some very cool stuff at Lightspeed, I have to say. Yeah. So I'd like to thank you for joining us today and to everyone for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the latest version of Inside Lightspeed, and we will talk again soon. Thanks for having me, Gus. Thank you for listening to Inside Lightspeed. For more information about Lightspeed's integrated payment offering, visit lightspeedhq.com. If you aren't already, be sure to follow Lightspeed on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is LightspeedHQ. Original music for the episode was composed by Timothy LeClaire. The episode was edited by Jonathan Beaton and produced by Lightspeed. See you next time.